On today's Behind the Wall, we discuss the weekend racing action at Las Vegas Motor Speedway as a Bush Brother reigns supreme once again. We've got breaking news surrounding the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series schedule. We're getting dirty at Bristol, welcoming Circuit of, of the Americas to the slate, going all-star racing at a new track, and sadly saying goodbye to Chicagoland and Kentucky. We've got an interview with YouTube star Danny B Talks, and as always, we've got hot takes and dark horses for Talladega. It's Behind the Wall Podcast. Let's roll. Well, I'm dressed for success. I'm going for gold. Well, I'd rather strike out on three straight pitches and have regrets when I get old. Well, you can wait to feel like someone to Hey, this is Steve Everett, and you're listening to my song, Fake It, available everywhere. Now let's get to the show. This is the Behind the Wall podcast brought to you by Behind the Wall Media. I promise they're not drunk. Hey, welcome back to the Behind the Wall podcast. Thank you, Steve Everett, for the music. Like I said in the intro, Bush brother reigns supreme once again. My man, Kurt Bush, took the dub at his home track for the first time ever on the mile and a half portion of the property. He's run train on or just terrorized the bull ring, as everyone has said. But I was I was ecstatic to have him in victory lane. I don't know about y'all, but that was awesome. Well, I was ticked off that he won. I'm a Bowman fan, so no, yeah, the, yeah I'm surprised y'all didn't know. But I think it would have been a, a fantastic battle between him and Hamlin if that caution didn't come out. Jimmy Johnson blew the tire with roughly, I think it was like 25, 30 laps to go, and it just kind of in the middle of a green stop pit, green flag pit stop. And then just caution after caution. I think it's what NASCAR wanted this package to provide. And I think this is the first time since like Kansas or Chicagoland last year where this package really showed up and was a fantastic race throughout. Stage one was fantastic. Stage two was great. And going down to stage three, you have an awesome finish where we get a first time winner on the season. Kurt Busch locked himself in at around eight. And it's surprising we're talking about Kurt Busch locking himself in at around eight. And his brother, Kyle Busch, uh, below the cut line, heading into Talladega and the Roval these next two weeks. But overall, race was probably one of the best of the season, I'd say, and definitely the best mile and a half by uh, light years. I don't know what I was trying to say there. I wouldn't say it's the best race of the season, but it is the best celebration by far. Like oh, yeah, the way <laughs> The way Kurt Busch spelled out Las Vegas with the checkered flag, I was. I wish he would do that at all the tracks. Just the way he finished it too, with like the little swirl or the twirl, <laughs> that was that was just majestic. I think that was better than Kyle Busch's bow. So who was it who had the prediction that Kurt Busch would have more wins than Kyle? Me. Wait, no, that was a uh, that was one of the retweeter yeah, mutes. Mute. I, I said that the Bush brothers within the season both with zero wins, but my main thing was Kyle Busch not winning. Yeah. But, uh, I, um, well, I did come up with a hot take though, so I will take that. Uh, I will take the. Uh, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take Kyle Busch has got to win the last six races. No shot. He's done. <laughs> I think he's got a shot. He's getting kicked out of the ride next year. Yeah, he's. Uh, I don't think he's deserving of that ride. <laughs> Listen, who would have thought that this far into 2020, that Kyle Busch would have zero wins, Kurt Busch would have one, and Brexton Bush would have one. He's basically the only Bush without a win. I'm sure Samantha's won at something. She, I saw she won uh, like 20 cents at the casino. So she, she's won more than Kyle. What about Ashley? She's probably won a few. Well, she's got games. Kurt as a husband. She's, she's always winning. 
fair point. All right. Jay, what right. did you, you think about the race? Race was good. I really enjoyed the first opening stages of it. Stage three, even if we didn't have the cautions, I think stage three would have been interesting. Um, seeing if Bowman could hold off Denny. But, you know, I think at the end there might have been one one too many cautions. I would have liked to see how it played out with the 10 to go. Um, like if William Byron never had that incident, I think it would have been interesting to see if uh, Matt Benedetto could get around Kurt or if Bowman could do it or if Denny Hamlin would steal the show. Um, so I honestly would have liked to see that play out. Um, but I feel like either way we had a good finish. Um, and it was fun to see Kurt Busch winning. You know, he's just one of those guys. He's like Clint Boyer. He's just like fun to watch when he wins. So that was really cool. Uh, definitely shakes up the fantasy. I mean, not the fantasy, the playoffs, though. Um, definitely puts like Kyle and Clint um, in bad positions. Even Chase Elliott, for some reason, you know, he just had a terrible finish and not a lot to show for having a strong car. So he really got screwed on pit road all night. And that's what led to it. So those guys, if they have a bad Talladega, it's going to be an interesting race at the Roval. I think Chase Elliott will be fine. He's probably going to win the race. I think Bowman will be fine. Unless he does terrible at Talladega, he's been strong at the Roval too. Um, so I think the interesting thing we'll be looking at for people like Kyle, Clint Boyer, Austin Dillon, see where they fit in the next couple races. I will say that with my playoff prediction, and the uh, the little grid we all filled out. I did not mean to have Kurt Busch in my final four, and I was kind of regretting it because I might have been perfect if I didn't have him there. But you know, as fate would have it, he's one step closer to making it to the final four, and I might look like an absolute genius, courtesy of my uh, my neglect when filling out the the playoffs or the this the bracket. That's what it's called. Dude, that would be something. If you were, if you ended up being right, and that actually happened, that would be insane. See, it, it's it's things like those when you put. I mean, we don't have any money on this, but if you were to put money on something like this, and it just happens, you could end up making a decent amount of money. And I, I saw on Twitter this past weekend that Steve Carnes, who's a die-hard Kurt Busch fan, that he put like a fifty-dollar bet on Kurt to win this weekend, end up making like forty-five hundred dollars. So it's just it's the it's like the hundred to one odds that end up surprising everyone and they end up causing the most chaos. It's like March Madness basically with this win uh with Kurt Bush's win this weekend. Yeah, calling Kurt Bush to make the uh round of eight or I mean the championship four is like if somebody called uh Loyola Chicago to make the sweet sixteen a few years ago. Or that Timmy Hill would only be fifteen laps down next race. Hey, watch your mouth. Let's not talk about Timmy Hill, but let's talk about uh, Adam's playoff punching picture the air right going now. into uh, Talladega. I'm not done talking about the race. We were talking about the playoff picture. Yeah, well, that was because Kurt Busch. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to get over this race, and so I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of upset. Uh, Austin Dillon was running a fantastic race. Got screwed over with the uh, with his his crew member falling over the wall on accident. And that, that's what I think was the catalyst to him uh, hitting that debris and knocking out a, a – uh, was that a belt? Yeah, it was a belt. Um, but it just shows that you've got to be perfect on pit road because if you, if you mess one thing up, that could put you in harm's way, especially at places like Talladega 
I mean, what happened at Las Vegas was an absolute fluke. Shouldn't have happened, but it did. And the only person to blame for that is the pit crew. And it's not even really their fault. But it just it sucks because he was looking like he was going to easily make it into the round of eight, especially if he continued his uh, top five streak. But now he's in jeopardy, especially heading to the Talladega where anything can happen. I mean, granted, he could win a, he could win the race. He's usually pretty good at super speedway races. But he also could be involved in the big one. And then at that point, you've got a must win at the Roval, which Chase Elliott is obviously the favorite for. And the odds for Austin Dillon is going to be pretty low. So I think that's probably the biggest disappointment so far this playoff cycle is the misfortune with Austin Dillon. And it kind of sucks because having him run really well, especially in the three car for RCR, that would have been one heck of a story. Like it, it would have been an underdog of all underdogs if he would have made the round of eight and pushed for the final four. All right, so now we'll hop in to the <laughs> 2020 uh, playoff standings. And uh, so Jay mentioned Chase Elliott had a bad week. He came in uh, with a pretty solid cushion, but I think the Kurt Busch win kind of screwed everything up. So below the cut line, starting at 12th, we're going to have Austin Dillon minus 32, which you – touched on that henry and just bad luck after such good runs he had a good run going for him until the belt issue eric amarola minus 27 clint boyer minus 20 then kyle bush right below the cut line and uh nine points down then you got alex bowman uh to the good by nine points chase elliott logano truex kozlowski hamlin harvick and then kurt bush locked himself in obviously with the win and i think Alex Bowman has shown he's good at the Roval, but then you go to Talladega and you don't know what happens. So that nine-point cushion between him and Kyle Busch can be just enough for Kyle Busch to slot up in there after a late-race wreck. Chase Elliott's not good. Uh, Joey Logano's only 11 points to the good, and I think the only people safe right now are Harvick and Hamlin, and they're plus 61 and plus 58, respectively. So Austin Dillon being minus 32 needs to have a – pretty much a first or second place finish at Talladega and go out of the Roval and about win the thing. So who are you looking at that's under the cut line right now between Kyle Busch, Clint Boyer, Eric Amarola, and Austin Dillon who can make their way in or maybe even win their way in at Talladega or the Roval? Obviously Clint Boyer. Oh, I mean, geez. he – it's – yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm like a uh, – it's basically like I'm just – repeating myself I still think that Clint Boyer is going to make it into the next round and uh, it's going to take a top five finish at Talladega he runs well at the Roval so that shouldn't be too big of an issue he shouldn't have an issue with a top 10 finish especially with people wrecking out but I, I think that Clint Boyer has been proven and it, sh it he has shown that he can avoid the chaos at Talladega and find himself in the top 10 with five laps remaining uh, but that is all contingent on chaos not breaking out and destroying his day and his playoff hopes because he's not going to win at the Roval. He's going to run well, but if he wrecks out of Talladega, he's done, along with a, a, a lot of other drivers like Kyle Busch. You know, I'll agree with Henry. Um, You know, Kyle Busch would probably be the most logical choice to say he's below the cut line and could advance, but, you know, historically he's not been good at uh, any type of restrictor play racing, so – Talladega, he'll he really just needs to finish, um, make sure he doesn't get wrecked. So, if I were Kyle Busch, I would honestly run in the back of the field most of the day um, and just try and 
make it to the end. Um, you know, Kyle Busch, he could do, he probably will do well at the Roval. Um, but so will Clint Boyer. And I think this is Clint Boyer's chance because Clint Boyer is a good plate racer. He can run near the front if he can avoid Rex and just finish two. That'll set him up. And if he can get like a top five at the Roval, which he has done well at Daytona road course too. So um, he could definitely advance. Same with Almirola. He's been good at Talladega. Um, so if he gets a win there, um, that's very likely to see. Unfortunately, I don't see Austin Dillon advancing just due to that setback we had at Vegas. He probably would have been in a better position had he finished as well as he was running at Vegas. But um, unfortunately, I think the cards are stacked against him. It's going to take a win. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, this season has just build, been filled with surprises, and we could have a surprise winner at Talladega, an Austin Dillon, a Clint Boyer that just totally puts a fork in other people's plans and ends up probably knocking out a favorite to possibly win the championship. Who knows? But that's the name of the game in 2020. We have tons of surprises, but I think the surprises we've had so far is nothing compared to the surprises with the 2021 schedule that NASCAR is going to release on Wednesday. Not really sure when we're going to drop this episode, maybe Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, but uh, Wednesday, the 30th of September, NASCAR is releasing the 2021 schedule. Uh, a couple things have already been confirmed. Uh, Chicagoland will not have a race next year along with Kentucky. Uh, looks like we're going to be heading to the Circuit of Americas. Uh, that's going to be replacing a points race at Texas. Uh Texas will be receiving the all-star race, which will be pretty interesting, basically like a Charlotte-type deal. Uh, and probably the most irritating schedule change that we've seen so far that I know everyone's kind of fired up about is that the spring Bristol race will be on dirt for the cup cars. And I, I just I, – I cannot for the life of me understand that move. And I know both of you guys feel the same way about it. We've got so many dirt tracks – in america especially in the southeast that cup cars could race at and i i won't want to send the cup cars to eldora because then it takes away from the majesticness of the eldora dirt derby with the trucks but you've got places like knoxville uh i mean who knows there, there's so many dirt tracks but i i i don't know about this one yeah you got it yeah um I'm pretty fired up about it. I think it's, I think it's really stupid. Like you know, Henry said, we got so many different dirt tracks um, where we could have an event, and uh, really just to, the fact that they're taking away a, an existing Bristol event is really what what irks me because Bristol is such an iconic track, such a great track. Uh, it's probably one of the most looked forward to races, even the spring race has been exciting, especially this past year. So I just don't understand why you would want to ruin something that is probably your saving grace right now. Because let's face it, you know, NASCAR, they're implementing all these changes because they want to increase viewership. Um, you know, the, I understand the move, you know, taking some of these tracks away, like we won't be seeing Chicago and Kentucky. Although I don't agree with some of that. Um, we can talk about that later. And I think they should stay at Chicago land. Um, I understand they want to diversify. They want to add more road courses and a dirt uh, and a dirt race, which is fine. I'm, I'm not against a dirt race. I'm just against them uh, taking away from Bristol because Bristol is such a hallmark of NASCAR it produces arguably some of the best and most exciting racing. We've seen the race there two weeks ago when you were there, Henry, 
and Josh, I mean, I was watching on TV in the last 30 laps. I was just on the edge of my seat. Like my heart rate was up. I was, you know, I was waiting for a bump and run, but even though there wasn't anything like that, it was still so thrilling to see two of the best in NASCAR just chase each other down for 30 laps and navigate traffic. And the fact that they want to take that away for something that we really don't even know what it's going to be like, you know, racing at Bristol in a high banked short half mile on dirt with cup cars just doesn't sound like a good idea. This, this isn't the world of outlaws. So the move does not make sense. I really hope it's just a rumor, although there's a bunch of sources, a bunch of reliable sources are reporting it, so it's more than likely going to be part of the announcement. It's going to suck for the fans, too, because you're in a bowl. And with all that dirt flying around, I mean, I, I would be wearing goggles if I would attend that race. But, Josh, let's hear your thoughts here. In the wise words from Spencer James of All-American, I'm angry. This move is stupid. I You take away NASCAR's... I think favorite track as a whole, you ask any NASCAR fan what their favorite track is, they're saying Martinsville or Bristol just because no. we love short tracks. 90% of people, you're that 10%. But uh, <laughs> we're you, – Don't forget about the 10%. Yeah, we can. But uh, how, I don't see how they can take, a ra- take away a race. If you want to do that, make three Bristol dates, one with the dirt, two on pavement. You have this whole movement. That's on Twitter. Hashtag more short tracks. And we're getting rid of one of the short tracks in the middle of this. Like you're adding the uh, short track at Auto Club in a couple years. But then you're taking away Bristol, the one of the best tracks that we have. And I think I've talked to people and they're like, oh, they're moving to Bristol because there's not enough stands and everything and all these dirt tracks. There's a reason these dirt tracks don't have all the stands and it's because they're made for outlaws and late models on dirt which there is not a big following for nascar belongs on pavement you see what's happened with the truck series at eldora it had a bunch of hype back when they first announced it wow it was one of the biggest truck races of the year now it's just another race on the schedule kyle bush has come out and said that it's not fun to bring trucks there because you go out beat trucks up and you barely make any money on it they're just going out there for a show on tv i think if you want to go to a dirt track Go to a dirt track that's local. You got one right across the street from Charlotte Motor Speedway. You got Knoxville. You got yeah, Volusia. You got shoot Virginia Motors or Virginia Speedway Raceway, whatever it's called here, and uh, Virginia. You got so many different tracks right here in a small area that you can go there, go race a dirt track, and you still get the satisfaction. But taking away one of our best tracks to fill it up with dirt and have a dirt race it's just foolish in my opinion i'm fired up about it yeah i i i agree with you um i was thinking with even i I don't know if a points race on a dirt track for the cup series would be super smart um however i I think that you could have an exhibition race or something like that where that chooses the the qualify or the uh starting lineup uh, maybe like a track like Talladega. Across the street, you've got the Talladega Short Track. They have races there every, basically every Friday night. Uh, I know for sure from camping at Talladega that Friday night before uh, – or no, sorry, Saturday night, it's loud as crap. There's dirt flying everywhere. But you put you, – you, you draw up some heats and you put them on the dirt track. That would be interesting. But I, Bristol, I don't know. And it – if you're wanting to experiment with putting 
dirt on a short track, why take away Bristol? Why don't you pull a NASCAR heat and do it at Richmond or something? I think Richmond would be interesting, but not Bristol. Honestly, I think it would be more interesting at some place like Phoenix or something like that. And you know, sand. We, we can even we can even go down a different rabbit hole of whether or not NASCAR even really needs a, a dirt race. Because, like you mentioned, Kyle Busch said he hates bringing trucks to Eldora. So, from an owner's perspective, it's not great. And also, you know, it's the the cars weren't designed for dirt. I really feel like trying to incorporate dirt racing into NASCAR just doesn't always work because. The majority of fans watch NASCAR because they enjoy pavement racing. You know, if honestly, the fans who are really into dirt already watch World of Outlaws and get their dirt racing fixed there or something like that. So it's not that I'm against the dirt, a dirt race in NASCAR, but I'm just really questioning the the necessity of it right now. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the rest of the schedule changes that we know about so far. Chicagoland. I'm sad to see it go. It's produced some great racing, the infamous slide job back in 2018. Um, Kentucky, I'm kind of indifferent. I, I do, I did enjoy Kentucky, but um, at the same time, I'm excited to see Circuit of the Americas join the slate. I'm interested to see where the other races go. I know that uh, possibly Atlanta gets a second date again. I know Atlanta's been pushing for it. It would make sense with Kentucky going bye-bye that they'd send a date back to Atlanta, which could uh, lead up to a Atlanta championship race once again. But who knows? What do you What do you guys think about the other schedule changes that have been announced so far? I the think thing about, you the thing about Atlanta is I like the idea of a second Atlanta race, but it has to be a night race for me. Um, I agree. Because I feel like recently – Atlanta during the day hasn't been that exciting, and it could just be uh, dominance of uh, dominance of Harvick there recently. But um, you know, I honestly, uh, regarding Kentucky, um, I'll, I'll I'll miss it, but I won't miss it too bad. Chicago, I will miss um, that track. Uh, the racing surface was getting to really. I feel like it was getting into its prime there as far as the wear on the racetrack and producing good racing and having multiple lanes and a good tire that falls off there so that's that's gonna hurt because i feel like it was one of the best racing mile and a half up there with like kansas and uh vegas so that's gonna be tough that's gonna be a tough loss yeah there's a bunch of new tracks coming to the cup series Next year, you look at it, you got rumors of Atlanta getting a second date. You got the Bristol Dirt Track. You got Nashville. You got Road America that's probably going to come up there. And I I think there's it's a lot of good out of that. But then the tracks that they're taking away, Kentucky, Chicagoland, I'm, I'm okay with the move to get rid of Kentucky because Kentucky's not produced great racing. But uh, – Chicagoland, on the other hand, that's produced some of the best mile-and-a-half racing we've had in the past couple of years. You go and that race last year was fantastic. The race the year before that, uh, you had the slide job incident with Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson. And like Jay said, the track was getting to its prime. And now we have a second Atlanta date. I hope we race there when it's really hot outside, get more tire wear, 
and they've talked about having some of the bigger races without the 550 horsepower, maybe like a Darlington or a Nashville with the 750 horsepower small blade on the back. And I'd like that, bring back the power, bring back all this. But then I think bringing in Road America is, I don't know, I'm like in the minority of like this opinion, but I don't like the track. It's, I like the small road courses. Watkins Glen's good. Roble's good. Sonoma's good. But then you go to these big tracks like Mid-Ohio, Road America, and you're running like two and a half minute laps. Like, come on. I want to, you just got to do something here. And the field gets too spread out. I don't think Road America's a great track for Cup Series. I think it's good for Xfinity. I think we could have moved up to Canada and go to Mosport and race there in the Cup cars. That's exactly. It's so it's so expensive to do that though, because you got to make sure that all the uh, pit members have uh, passports. Just I was reading the stat a couple months ago when they're talking about. I think there are a couple truck series, or some team owners that are like, "Dude, this is it's expensive to get that amount of people up there," and that's why they're doing uh the hybrid pit stops when they did just to save money with uh, logistics to get the whole race team up there. But yeah, I don't I don't know about moving the the Cup Series up to Canada. Yeah, but you're like I don't think premier, there's enough of a, a base. Major, you're like a it's a major sports league. I feel like if they do in if they do go to Mo Sport and race that track, I think they should have the passports and everything. Like get up there. That's part of the job. Like it's one of the best road course races, if not the best road course on the schedule, in my opinion. This isn't the NFL though. There's know, there's there's just, an NFL base up in Canada, but I don't think that there's a big enough NASCAR base to send Cup Series up there. You know? Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with Josh. I, I think just on the basis of the fact that how well Canada has raced, you know, with Truck Series, we've seen a lot of great finishes there. A smaller road course works better in NASCAR. Large road courses, like Josh mentioned, Road America and Mid Ohio, and you know they. They're designed for Indy cars or F1 cars that can go faster and, you know, turn faster lap times, not not Cup Series cars. Yeah, like, yeah. Watkins is like, the perfect size. and I agree. It's, like, you're running, like, a minute 15 second laps. Roval, you're running a minute 15. Sonoma, you're running a minute 10. It's, you're right there, and then you're doubling that time when you go to, uh, what, Road America and Mid-Ohio. I think it's the wrong move. I wish a bunch of people want NASCAR to stick to its roots, which it's moving so far Southeast. from its roots, and it's just moving everywhere from there. But uh, okay, but if we're if we're wanting to stick to the roots, which is the southeast, that is NASCAR's base. Why are we moving to Canada? Why are we going to move a Cup Series race with their base is in the southeast? I mean, it's like the same mistake as uh, pushing all those races out west. Well, At this point, are we going to be able to expand the base that much in today's society? Maybe, especially with big names like Michael Jordan and new sponsors coming into the sport. But I, I just don't, I don't see a reason why you'd want to spend or uh, send Cup to Canada. Because the you racing know? product is so good there. You, the roots isn't taking a short track and putting dirt on it and calling it a dirt track. I agree. Yeah. I don't well, know. I will say that. My my favorite thing with this announcement so far, and if it is true that 
uh, the all-star race at No Limits, Texas. That should be a fun race, especially at night. I love night races at Texas. But let's go ahead and move into our interview for this week. We have YouTube star Danny B Talks. Uh, if you guys have ever seen Danny B's videos on YouTube, you know that they're always exciting. And he talks about NASCAR, which is something we all love. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this interview. And this week we're interviewing Danny B. Talks. He is a YouTube star. He covers mainly NASCAR, but I know he dabbles in some other stuff. Danny, good to have you on this week. Nice, nice to be here. I wouldn't say star, but, you know, I, I like what I do. I've seen a couple of your videos, and most of them usually will pop up in my suggested, and after a while, I figure that, man, I might as well just go ahead and follow this guy. I like his videos enough. So why don't you go ahead and start it off by telling us a little about yourself, what got you interested in NASCAR, and what got you to start your YouTube channel and grow to where it is now? Well, I, I started watching NASCAR when I was a kid, like every everyone else, I guess. Started watching about the 2004 season kind of casually and really got into a hardcore about 2008, 2009 range. Um, started off liking Jeff Gordon, then became a Dale Earnhardt Jr. fan when he was coming over to Hendrick Motorsports and rooted for him all the way up until his retirement and in 2016. Uh, really enjoyed Alex Bowman's performance while he was in the 88 car and when uh, he was announced to be taken over started rooting for him and uh, that's been my favorite driver ever since and uh, I think I'm doing pretty all right I think I got a pretty good driver to root for right now but uh, as far as like how did I get started with YouTube well I got started simply because it was about all I it was what I had to do I wanted to work in NASCAR but I really wanted to go work for Bristol Motor Speedway following college but um, kept you know networking the right people telling someone you know telling someone who's in their communications department is like hey I can do this for you. I can do this for you. Please give me a shot. I'll do an internship. You don't have to pay me. Couldn't get the opportunity to do nothing. So I was like, well, can't really seem to get any opportunities with a team, with a, with a track, with, with anyone, with NASCAR. Keep getting, you know, the decline emails on applications I've been applying for. So I'm like, well, why don't I try YouTube? And uh, decided to make a channel, you know, it was like, first, like, I don't know what kind of videos I'm going to make, but uh, I'm going to try to do something NASCAR related, because at the time, there wasn't really too much out there, like, Eric Eastep was getting into his Out of the Groove series pretty good, it was starting to get a little bit popular, but nowhere near as it is today, um, then, next thing I knew, uh, one of my video, like, my one of my first videos did really well, got like 5,000 views, and that was, you know, huge for me at the time, because I just started, but had like no subscribers, and next thing I knew, I had before I knew it and things just kind of kept growing and got an email one day from one of my now best friends uh, Jarrett Lundberg the iceberg and he said hey I liked what you did uh, maybe we should you know try and do something together like maybe get together and do a podcast or something like that and then it started off with just two guys talking about the 2018 Daytona duels and it's grew into this uh, NASCAR weekly podcast that we do on YouTube and and we've had we've had legends and Bobby Allison before we've had Mark Martin on our show before we had we had Mark Martin before he went on to the Dell Jr. downloads. That's kind of like one of those pat on the back moments we like to give ourselves. <laughs> and uh, got to interview my favorite driver, Alex Bowman, on our show. We had William Byron on. We had William Byron on the, the literally the week that he ended up winning his first cup race. So that was pretty cool. That's and, awesome. Uh, we've had, you know, just numerous great guests appear on our show at this point. And it's all, all virtually, just like we're doing here, just kind of 
talking on Zoom here, and, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, made some of my, my absolute best friends. Uh, the iceberg was the best man in my wedding. Black Flags Matter, Darren Gilliam. He was one of my he was one of my groomsmen as well. Eric Eastep would have been. He was too busy with his uh, internship, but he hung out with me and my wife along with his girlfriend Natalie when we went on our honeymoon to Florida. So I mean, when I when I tell you that I've made some of my best friends, I'm not exaggerating. These are more just you know guys of YouTube channels that I work with. Like I've I've made some of my best friends by doing this, and uh, now it's opened up some great opportunities to connect with people actually in NASCAR, people who. Um, are with tracks, the people at the new Nashville Super Speedway that's coming back uh, with Dover. You know, they saw a video I, I did about the rise and fall of Nashville Super Speedway, you know, shortly before we found out it's back from the dead. And, uh, you know, it's kind of led to some interesting conversations there. And I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds for that. That's awesome. So how has the credentialing process been for you? I, I know I've seen in the pa past year or so, there's been more of a push towards having these YouTube sensations and media members that solely focus on YouTube and their own channel with reporting in NASCAR. And there's been a more of a push in the sport to uh, get these media members out to the track and have them credentialed officially. How has that been for you as growing up a NASCAR fan? How did it feel to be able to get credentialed, credentialed if you have been uh, for that first race out there? Well, I want to, get some of the like confusion out of the way here. I have never once in my life been credentialed. I'm not credentialed media, I'm, nor do I know if I ever will be. I don't necessarily know if you can call what I do media. Like I, I try to report on NASCAR in a way that, you know, younger guys can relate to, you know, kids, you know, teenagers, you know, young 20s can relate to. That's kind of what I try to do more or less but I am not credentialed media. I've never once had a media pass. The only, you know, only person I know of from YouTube who has had a media credential before based on their YouTube channel and not another person that they're there to represent is Eric Eastep and out of the group. That's the only person I know of who has had a media credential. Me, myself, though, I have had, you know, the distinct pleasure of receiving hot passes. I had hot passes for the 2019 Bristol night race. I had a hot pass for the 2019 championship weekend in Miami. And I had a hot pass for the 2020 Daytona 500 and probably could have had hot passes to a lot more events this year. But of course, COVID has put a halt on that. And from my understanding, even most people who would get media credentials for NASCAR, you know, that has not been something happening at all this year in 2020. Now, my goal one day is to know I'm kind of like, I guess I've kind of like been evolving my Danny B Talks channel into something that is kind of like, it's there's some fun videos like my Rise and Fall series, but not as much as it used to be because uh, quite frankly, I just don't have time to sit down and focus on that when there's so much stuff that's in the present I do want to talk about as well. So I've kind of been focusing on my, on my Danny B Needs a Minute series. That's kind of, you know, I hate to say this, so it's like, it's like my out of the groove that Eric has, but mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's also like, I don't want people to think, oh, you're just copying him. In a way, it's like, not really. Um, the reason I do it, too, is because I'm a big wrestling fan, too. And my, I have three channels that I watch on YouTube for wrestling. And they've all kind of been inspirational for me. I watch uh, What Culture Wrestling, cult, uh, sorry, What Culture Wrestling, not wrestling. That'd be cool if they had that. What Culture <laughs> Wrestling, Cultaholic, and uh, Wrestle Talk. Those are three channels who all discuss professional wrestling, uh, whether it be WWE, AEW, whatever it is. And they all probably talk about the same stuff but they all have unique personalities, unique perspective. 
And I like that. And that's kind of what I want to do with, with NASCAR. That's a big reason I wanted to, you know, get into this whole NASCAR YouTube scene because you can create multiple perspectives and I don't see anything wrong with that. And that's why kind of the tagline at the end of my videos I've been promoting is go support other NASCAR YouTube content creators because we're all here to entertain you and provide you with NASCAR knowledge that, you know, maybe you missed, you know, you're, maybe you're not like me and you're on Twitter all the time trying to find out what's happening in NASCAR. Maybe there's something that, you know, the, the average fan might miss, but if they go to YouTube randomly and they see one of my videos recommended, it might show them something that they might have missed during a week. So you said uh, you're trying to focus more on the present. So let's talk about the biggest story right now. The 2021 NASCAR schedule comes out tomorrow. Bunch of different tracks. You got the Bristol Dirt track that's supposed to be coming. You mentioned Nashville. Um, uh, rumors about Road America. So and then uh, it also came out today, Chicagoland and Kentucky is not coming back. What's your opinion on this uh, new schedule coming up, and how do you think it will impact the uh, current drivers and uh, the kind of racing uh, vibes we have now? Well, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm kind of like – I know there, I know all the rumors that are out there right now, but I'm like I'm kind of waiting till tomorrow to do like a video talk about this because I want to do like maybe like a, a live reaction to – reading out what what is the official schedule but it's like kind of waiting for it's like waiting for christmas you know there's like a big <laughs> present i'm waiting to open up i want to see what's inside actually you know it's like i think it might be this like i think mom might have bought me this but you know is it that you know that's kind of like what we're it's kind of the whole situation it's in right now but uh bristol as a dirt track i love bristol <laughs> i got engaged on the surface at bristol wow but i don't know if this is quite it chief but uh <laughs> but uh I i'm willing to try anything so I it's gonna attract a lot of fans as long as you know covid's gone and we can have plenty of fans there but if they are going to do it please work with world of outlaws or lucas oil to get someone who's actually meant for dirt out there because uh, that will help kind of cement the weekend like nascar i don't know if the cup cars are going to produce a good a good show on dirt but hopefully i'm wrong i mean I grew up in a place called Harrogate, Tennessee, and we have a little track called Tazel Speedway up there. And uh, it's a one-third mile, well over like 30 degrees of banking in the turns, like 20-something degrees on the straightaways. That place is like what you would think Bristol dirt would be like, but on a smaller level. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm curious, you know, what's the result going to be like? Obviously, they had dirt on Bristol back in the early 2000s but they only had World of Outlaws and, you know, cars that were meant for dirt out there. This were, you know, taking cars that are not meant for dirt. And I've always said that, you know, the trucks work on dirt because of the way that they're made. They have a they have a longer rear end. They don't have as much, you know, top downforce on them. I think they're meant to work on dirt better. These cup cars, though, I don't think it's going to produce a good show. But, hey, I'll be there for it because I've seen about everything possible at Bristol at this point. Yeah. Uh, one more question about the current or next year's schedule. Um, the they're talking about bringing in Road America. We just had a very good debate on uh, how we think Road America should play out. So, what's your opinion on Road America and how it uh, can make its way in the Cup? I'm all for Road America coming coming the Cup. I think I've I've kind of been on the hot train for a little bit. Like it's it's a good it's a good road course. It provides good quality racing for the Xfinity series and. I think it's well-deserving for the, you know, the, the Midwest part of the United States to be able to see the top level of NASCAR come to their track. And 
I'm all I'm all for that idea. I think it's a I think it's a good idea if, if NASCAR is moving in that direction. And uh, from what I understand, I think there's going to be quite a few uh, Cup races that are run on dirt. I'm sorry, that are run on uh, road courses next year. And uh, some of these that I've heard rumored are well, obviously we have Circuit of the Americas coming. We have Road America um, with Charlotte Roval. Hopefully Watkins Glen will be back. Um, I don't know if they're going to do a points race again on the Daytona road course. Obviously, we had, we had that for the Bush Clash. And uh, I don't know. I wouldn't rule out at this point the uh, the Nashville street course. Kind of maybe they could partner with Indy, IndyCar for a doubleheader that weekend. But uh, just because there is the demand for uh, NASCAR in Nashville right now. But, uh, you know, just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. All right, Danny. So with everyone we interview on the podcast, we always kind of end out – the uh the interview with or we end our show with dark horses and hot takes for the upcoming weekend and since we have a decent amount of inter, uh, people we interview week in a week out we've pushed all the interviewees to give us a hot take about the championship four and a dark horse to win the championship so you got any uh, hot takes for us uh i think at this point if they keep running the way they have so far in this playoffs i wouldn't be too surprised to see uh, 200 cars, Bowman and Elliott somehow get their way in the championship four. <laughs> I'm wearing the Alex Bowman shirt for you. <laughs> um, as far as this weekend, I'm going to Talladega. I'm excited for it. Last time we went to a race this year was the all-star race. Saw my wife's favorite Chase Elliott win. I think it's time to see my favorite win. Last time he come up short at Las Vegas, he went out and he dominated in one auto club. Hey, Alex Bowman goes out and wins Talladega. He's come close before. I remember back last year when Chase Elliott won at Talladega, Alex Bowman, he timed it right. He made the right pass, but then a caution came out. He would have won Talladega last year in the spring. He can do it again. I like that yeah. prediction. I was in Victor Lane for Chase Elliott's win, and that was that was surely something special. I've never heard Talladega get that loud. But I will also be in Talladega this weekend, so – Hopefully, I'll run into you. But real quick, why don't you go ahead and plug your social media sites and your YouTube. That way, our fans can come out and follow you and support support your work. You can find me on YouTube. Danny B. Talks is a channel. We have uh, close to 15,000 subscribers at this point. Find me on Twitter, at Danny B. Talks. And I'm also on Instagram, at Danny B. Talks as well. All right. All right. Thanks, Danny, for coming out this week. Make sure y'all go follow him. Show him some love. And we'll see you uh, here real soon. And I'm not, 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 not saying no. And once again, that was our interview with Danny B. Talks. Make sure you go follow him on YouTube and all social media sites. Uh, do want to thank him for his time, especially on a busy, busy news night for NASCAR. It's always good to have uh, media, uh, media members come out and talk to some fans. Well, let's go ahead and jump into hot takes and dark horses. But before we do, want to go ahead and just give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, today's Dark Horses and Hot Takes are sponsored by Peak Auto. Save $7 on Peak 10 times antifreeze and coolant from September 22nd to November 30th. Get your rebate at peakauto.com. Josh, let's start with you. All right, Hot Take. It's a playoff race. We've seen it in the past a couple years ago when Eric Amarola won. It's going to be a very calm race. We're not going to see many wrecks, I think. We're not going to see a big one. 
And if we do, it's going to be like just a scrum to the finish, like what we saw earlier at Talladega. But I say a relatively clean race and uh, one of the lowest Jeff Gluck pole uh, Talladega races that we've seen. Dark Horse. I'm going to go Michael McDowell because he's very good at these uh, super speedway races. We always talk about him running up front, running, mostly getting top 10 finishes. He's really good at avoiding wrecks. So I think he's going to be up there and battling for a win. All right. Jay, what you got for us? Looking at Talladega, I agree with Josh. Really, the last few races we've seen there, it hasn't been uh, many wrecks, or at least big wrecks. Um, I feel like Talladega, being a wider track, is just a lot more forgiving. Um, you have more sp you have more space for cars to work with each other, and even if one does spin out, unlike Daytona, which is tighter, they have more room for people to avoid them. So unless it's a huge incident up front, um, you're less likely to see um, you're less likely to see uh, big pileups like you see at Daytona. So um, as far as uh, my dark horse for Talladega is, I'm gonna go with Ryan Newman. Um, just had good speed there at super speedways. He's been in the hunt the past couple of super speedway races, and um, as long as he doesn't get caught up in a wreck, I think he'll be um, contending for the, at least for top 10, top five. Um, and as far as a hot take goes, um, honestly, I think the next two races, we're gonna see non-playoff driver uh, win both of them, which would really kind of, wow. um, which would really make the playoffs the playoff picture interesting um so yeah um that's gonna be my hat big all right my i'll go ahead and start with my dark horse dark horse for talladega i mentioned earlier clint boyer i think he's got a good shot at a very good finish helping himself out uh with playoff points think that he'll be looking a lot better than he is now heading into the cutoff race at the Roval. As far as uh, Dark Horse, or no, as far as a uh, hot take for the weekend, I think that Bubba Wallace will get the win this weekend. Ran really well in the spring. He's always very good at super speedway races as long as he stays out of the mess. But I do think that Bubba Wallace will get a win or at least contend, uh, um, at least contend for the win. So we'll see how it all turns out this weekend. Make sure you tune in this weekend. Enjoy the news of the new schedule on Wednesday, and we'll see you next week. This is the Behind the Wall Podcast.